Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And today we have a returning guest with us. Lou Anders, author and game designer, is here with us to talk about in our world building series, the Feywilds. I'm really excited about this, Neil. This is going to be a great episode with a great guest. Yes, I love having Lou back on so he mm. can talk about all the crazy things he's been working on. And yes. of course, talking about the Feywilds. Speaking of which, if you are a gold dragon or higher on our Patreon, you can head on over and check out the brand new Fey Lord that I built, uh, inspired by all the cool Fey Lords that you can find in the Tome of Peace, created by none other than Dan Dillon. And if you are a silver Patreon dragon and up, you can head over right now to our Patreon and vote on the next world building episode topic. Your choices are mobile locations purgatory, and wildlife. Boom. But before we head to the meet, we have some iTunes reviews. Since I'm going first, I'm taking the short one. <laughs> and our first one comes from Ramahan, and it is entitled, Where Have You Been All My Life? Five stars. My wife finally talked me into giving podcasts a shot. I listened while at work and have binged 60 episodes in the last two weeks can't wait to get caught up there are so many ideas flowing out of this cast that it is a must listen for any dm experienced or new well thank you we who we will call dm ramahan for that awesome review and for cranking out quite a few episodes yeah thanks so much our next one comes from chaos chimera 7 and is entitled come one come all give dmb a call that's fantastic five stars <laughs> Seriously, if you're a new DM or GM, or are just looking to take a step back and review, this is the block party you want to be at. From awesome little insights and stories from their own campaigns to what you could use in your own games. And a huge thanks to the guys for doing episodes on small group games and play-by-post. It's led to fun one-on-one -on -one games, albeit a longer than expected one-shot, and joining the awesome and welcoming community of Gamers Plane. Awesome. Plenty of blockheads over there. Keep these natural crits of ideas coming and fatten our brains and creativity with illithid food mages. P.S. It's going to be a bit before I catch up on everything, but I'm chugging on through it. Awesome. Well, we're glad that look, both the reviews are just like listeners who are just like, I'm getting through your backlog. Here we go. So thank you so much for that review, Chaos Chimera 7. We really appreciate it. But Mitch, you know what time it is. I do? What time is it, Neil? Let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Yeah. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Well, for this segment of the meat, I'm excited because we have a returning guest here joining us once again on his third episode, I believe, with us. So stacking up those DMs block episodes, we have Lou Anders, author and game designer here with us today. Lou, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It is always, always fun to be here. Wonderful. Perfect. And I mean... We have a little truncated version of our interview because you it is your third time. I mean, unless you want to tell us again about the long walks on the beach that you love. <laughs> but instead, I think we should jump straight to what amazing things have you been working on that Mitch and I have already been reading? Well, I've worked on some amazing things that you have already been reading. <laughs> this past January, my first Star Wars novel came out. Yes. I have a book called Star Wars... Pirate's P Price, which is part of the Flight of the Falcon series. It's actually the last book in that series, except for a, a comic book that comes out this month that's sort of a, a coda. And it, uh, it ties in with the new um, theme park, Galaxy's Edge, that they're building in, in the two Disney parks here. And it's, uh, it stars Hondo Onaka, the pirate from, mm -hmm. from Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. 
that was voiced by the legendary Jim Cummings, voice of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. And in an absolutely amazing coup, Jim Cummings agreed to do the audiobook. Oh, that's amazing. And the book is written, as you guys know, in first person. I think it's the only new canon Star Wars novel to be in first person. Uh, when I got the, the, the job, I said, I, you know, Hondo is nothing if not his voice. It's got to be in his own words. And most of the Star Wars books, particularly the, the middle reader books, they are, even if someone is te- telling the story, even if C-3PO or Han Solo was telling you the story, they switch into third person for the story. And I said, I can't do that. It has to be in Hondo's voice. And so I, I asked him if I could write in first person. They let me. And then when we got Jim to do the audiobook, it's amazing because it means that Hondo is telling you stories about Hondo in Hondo's voice. <laughs> and it's it's incredible. That's fantastic. I I how how was that for you? You're adding to this mythology that is over 40 years old now and has just I mean Star Wars is huge and now Lou Anders has a book out there that's part of that canon. It it was amazing. The, the the book ties in with one of the two main rides they're going to have at Galaxy's Edge, Smuggler's Run. So in Smuggler's Run, Hondo has the Millennium Falcon, and you're flying it for him. And the reason he has it is my book. Hmm. Um, the research was amazing, you know, watching tons and tons of episodes, reading Star Wars comics. Uh, there's, a, there's a battle scene in the book, and... I wanted to block it out, so I, I talked to the guys at Lucasfilm, and I said, what's a good single-flyer ship that bandits would have? And they said, oh, the Z-95s. So, you know, we told my wife, we've got to do this for research, and we went and bought a bunch of Z-95s for the Star Wars X-Wing miniatures game. <laughs> we already had the Millennium Falcon, and my son and I played, we set up the battle as I envisioned it, and we played it through twice, and I sat there taking notes about what the ships did, and that became that chapter. So, I mean, you know, how often do you get to play a miniatures game as research for writing a chapter of a book? I just got to say, that's amazing because, Lou, like, (laughs) the Thrones and Bones series, like, you have such a, like, like, you love games and that comes out in the Thrones and Bones series with the games that come out of that. And even for a Star Wars book that you're writing, you went and you were like, all right, we're going to play a game. Yeah, that's going to influence the book that I write. It's beautiful. I love it. Well, we noticed watching Star Wars Rebels back when that was playing out that uh, when we played a lot of the miniatures game, the X-Wing game, we understood the moves the ships were making on the cartoon show that much better. They really did a really good job of, of recreating and emulating the way they move. And so when I was doing it, I was like, well, the Millennium Falcon can't move that way. It's going to move this way. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And then the flip side of it, too, is that my core readership is, is, is 8 to 12. And although I have a lot of adult readers, thank you guys, yep. um, you know, the 8 to 12-year-olds are not on Twitter. They're not on Facebook. They're not <laughs> talking to me on a daily basis. The Star Wars fans are. So ever since the book came out, I've gotten pretty much daily feedback from <laughs> readers, which is not something I'm used to. Uh, which is great, which is awesome. So maybe I should write some more older material. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the biggest things in you, and I'm echoing countless people that have read the book, your ability to capture Hondo's voice is what really sets it apart. I mean, and then, like, I feel like you had told me that Jim Cummings did the audiobook, but now I have to go buy it. I It is an absolute necessity that that is in my brain with his voice that is yes so thank you i mean yeah thank you for capturing hondo but can hondo ever really be captured but word on the street lou is that there's more that you have done that you want to talk about yep this april i get to add a game designer to my to my name uh i did a very small bit of mechanics for cobalt press they had the kickstarter for the tales of the old margrave and that's the uh, that's their that's their Ur Dark Germanic Forest, and it's a it's a campaign setting and it's a set of adventures and it's really 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 cool. And um, one of the parts of that Kickstarter was a player's guide to the forest, and they asked me to write a short story for it on how to train griffins, how to how to acquire, rear, and train griffins for griffin riding. Hmm. So how to rain your griffin. And uh, nice. <laughs> that's in there. And then 
I, we were, it, I, we, I got to co-create with Matt Corley, the lead designer on the project, a new warlock patron. And that was a ton of fun. We did a patron and a background to go with it. And uh, so that's my first bit of game mechanics official ever. That came about because I was playtesting one of the adventures called the, the Honey Queen. And one of my players did something at the end of that adventure that was so off the table that when he did it, our jaws dropped. And <laughs> everyone else looked around the table and were like, did, did Jonathan just leave the campaign? <laughs> is, is, is his character gone now forever? It was so unexpected. I ended up calling up Matt and telling him how his adventure played out. And I'm like, we don't know where to go forward from here because, <laughs> you know, he's not going to be the same yeah. character anymore. And we got to knocking around possible repercussions of his actions and realized the only way to keep him in my campaign was to invent a new subclass. <laughs> and, uh, Perfect. So that's how that happened. But I, I should I should also tout that's not the most exciting thing about the player's guide. The, they got Dennis uh, I can't pronounce this Sustari, the the designer of the original Druid class, oh, to okay. design a new Druid subclass for the book. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah. That's really cool, though. I'm sure your player has no regrets about throwing you that curveball and now being like, "Yeah, you see that new uh, that new uh, subclass in there." Oh, that's my that's my doing. I yep. made that happen. <laughs> well, he literally like pledged himself to this pseudo fake creature at the end of the thing, <laughs> and th- there's a there's a there's a character that's in a Cinderella like sleep, and he's like, "I'll take her place. I'll take her place." And we're like, "What? <laughs> that means you go into a, a, a magically induced coma, and you're no longer part of the party." And uh, he did. And so, how he comes back from that? He comes back. Not the same character. And now you are you are this new character with three levels of princess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so once again, we have Pirate's Price written by Lou Anders, a new Star Wars novel to check out. And then one one more time, uh, Lou, that the name of that book from Cabold Press for our listeners to check out. Tales of the Old Margrave, and it'll come out in April. Perfect. It's actually April right now when this episode is oh, coming it is out. April. I'm sorry, it comes out in May. It comes out in May. It was originally supposed to come out in April. It- so yeah, you can check that. You can check out both of those right now. Now, before we move into our discussion that we have come to talk about today of the Feywild, we of course have a surprise question for you, Lou. This one comes from our Patreon dragon, Mind Weave RPG, and or as uh, we know him also as Rorik. And Rorik asks, what other genre besides fantasy would you most like to see mashed up with Dungeons and Dragons? What genre besides fantasy would I most want to see mashed up with Dungeons and Dragons? There are genres besides fantasy? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that's a good one. Documentary. (laughs) You know, I mean, the easy answer, the obvious answer is I want to see some sci-fantasy, some science fiction. I want to see mm-hmm. Spelljammer. Yep. I want Spelljammer, but for 5e. So you badly. are not alone in that. I know. I never, I missed, I, I played basic and AD&D and then stopped, played other things, but didn't play Dungeons & Dragons again until 5e. So I completely missed Spelljammer. I saw it, <laughs> but I was always, already out of, out of it. Yeah. So I need Spelljammer and I need it back in a big way. So it's been unaf- like pseudo-announced. So straight from them, but we have no idea when or where or how. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And then, you know, it. Um, I'm watching the Arcana of the Arts Kickstarter for Money Cook Games, Numenera for 5e. Yeah. And I think that would go with Spelljammer really well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Awesome. Great, great question. Thanks, Rorik. Great answer. Thanks, Lou. Let's jump into our topic for today. We're diving back into our world building series. Lou, we love having you join us on our world building episodes. You have just such a plethora of knowledge on so many things. Today, we're going to be talking about a little place called the Feywild. So let's let's start talking about exactly what is the Feywild. Uh, when when I say Feywild, what comes to mind? What are the defining characteristics of this place? 
I always think when I think of fairylands as someone, someplace that's, that's brighter, greener, sunnier, more glorious than anything we can have here. It's almost like um, the old C.S. Lewis book. Uh, I forget which one, but somebody where, where heaven is just like earth, but the colors are all dialed to 11. Hmm. I think it's a place where uh, emotions trump logic and reason. Uh, I think it can be everything from almost an idealized English countryside to uh, Alice in Wonderland zaniness. Yeah, I love what you said about it being brighter. Uh, in I believe it's in Forgotten Realms lore. The lore is that it's always twilight. Like the the moon, the sun, they they stay in the same if it is the moon and the sun, right? They stay in the same position. It does not change. And it's always this twilight. But even in that twilight, I imagine when I think of Feywild, I imagine like the plants, the foliage themselves giving off some sort of a light, the stream of water having this eerie glow to it. Uh, light is, I think, in my mind, when I think of the Feywild, something that's really important uh, and the light sources aren't just going to come from the sky, but they're going to come from all around. No, I think you've got to have those dancing golden motes of light moving through the forests and exactly everything has a shimmer. Everything has a glow. And I think like the one, the part that stuck out to me was Lou that you had said was the feeling. And almost like if someone's entered the Feywild, the second they ever enter back, they're like, you know what? I know where I know where we are. Like, and just even from like maybe not like this huge visual cue, but just this sense that you are in this different place. This aura, just just the feel of it, is fundamentally different than the material plane. And there almost there almost has to be uh, a little bit of that. Oh, I hate to invoke a movie I wasn't crazy about, but uh, Whoopi Goldberg in the Nexus, you know, where if you leave it, you leave a part of yourself there and you always kind of want to mm. go back because yeah. even though you can't like get anything done there and you're glad to be back in the real world, a little bit of your soul is still there and, and you're always going to feel kind of incomplete and empty. And that's what those modes of lights are. See, already world building. Look at us go. <laughs> Bits of your soul. One of the things that I find the most interesting about the Feywild is it is described as an echo of the material plane, the the world that most player characters are going to spend most of their time on uh, and most of them are going to be from. And so, like, if you're creating a Feywild for your world, really, you don't, I think, need to go and create a whole different map you can use the maps that you already have just with the understanding that it's going to be the same but it's going to also be different uh the Feywilds is going to be a lot more uh like nature's going to have a much stronger hold in the Feywild so if you find your way in the Feywild but you're in a place where a large city would be well i imagine either there is no city there and it's a dense forest or it's like the ruins uh that are covered in foliage or it's a city of fairy folk as uh lou you you brought up like this is the plane of fairy folk yeah right so it's like it, it there is a city there but it's not it's not half timbered uh houses it's 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 Wizard yeah. of Oz Emerald City. Yeah, and I love the idea of like almost like them the trees are strange and shaped in almost a building type shape, but it's still a tree that fairy folk live in and you see all these these pixies flying out of there's something like that. Having that that echo be there, but that echo is as you said like you turn that that dial up to 11 for nature, for magic, for emotion, for light. I think the other thing, you know, in the way I look at it and you're in for inspiration for that is look at a lot of post post apocalyptic mm. movies. If you think of how does New York look in I am legend? Yeah. And, you know, and obviously the zombies, maybe that's, maybe that's your problem <laughs> and you want to deal with the fact that there's zombies in the Feywild, but the idea of it being overgrown or, you know, and if we want to look at stranger things and that's the upside down, 
I hate I hate saying it this way, but if you want to look at it, maybe the Feywild is the right side up, and you know, and everything <laughs> instead of being all dark is going you know, just like this vibrant life everywhere. The other thing that I I love is that it looks you know the Feywild is neutral. You know, it's just it just functions in a different way, but it's neither inherently good nor evil, chaotic, lawful. It just is. Yeah, I love uh, I love that bringing that upside down. Because that does not that forest that they travel into does not look like a pleasant place. No. But yeah, you could you could go. We've brought up emotion, and emotion is such a present thing in the Feywild. So you may be that traveler who's like, my goodness, I want, I will never be in a place as wonderful as that woods that I traveled into, uh, or that city I traveled into. And you can go and look at like Elver Elven uh art of cities. Um I think of uh from Magic the Gathering, the Celestia Guild, like when you look at the art of cities from that guild, it's they believe nature and civilization need to be interconnected. They need to be one together. So you have these very lush uh cities with foliage everywhere and so that could be in a sense these beautiful places but then there's this darker aspect that what if you travel into a part of the Feywild that hate or anger is the the overwhelming emotion what does a forest what does an area look like with that being the presence this is this has just sparked a memory which is uh years ago when i wore a different hat and i was an editor I, I published a series called Quantum Gravity by Justina Robson, and it was um, it, it was almost like Shadowrunner series. It was elves on dirt bikes and elf rock stars <laughs> and things like that, and they go into the fairy realm, and as she's traveling with fairies who are friends of hers, and as they are going deeper and deeper in, I think it almost spirals down like Dante's Inferno. The deeper they go, the further back in time things <laughs> are. So the fairies around her began to devolve into more primitive versions of themselves. Almost as if uh, the fae is something that has grafted on to human society's progression. And as we became more sophisticated, they became more sophisticated. So as they go deeper and deeper in, it goes further back in the evolutionary tree. They get more um, primitive, more, more bestial less evolve. And so they all start looking kind of feral and cat-like and become violent and dangerous, <laughs> even though they're friends of hers. And they can't help it because it's it's like, going back to Star Trek, it's like Spock in the episode where he eats meat. He's back in time, so he's acting like they used to act. And uh, I thought that was a fascinating concept. This is uh, a perfect discussion for me to have because I, I um, there's a guy uh, who does a wonderful Patreon called Dynamic Dungeons that does these marvelous animated maps. And uh, he comes out with animated maps where the trees wave and the light shines in the water and butterflies fly by. And at my suggestion, he's working on one right now for Feywild. Uh, awesome. he, just, he just put out a Shadow Realms one, which is gorgeous. It has this black water flowing through it. So I've been thinking about what that, that Feywild map is going to look like when it comes out. Hmm. That's fantastic. Just to make sure we're clear, you said it was dynamic. Dynamic Dungeons has a Patreon, and uh, they do. Um, this one guy, he does these beautifully animated maps, and uh, you display them on monitors, and they, you know, the elements in the map move. So he's got like a city market, and you can see a cat walk across the roof, or a bird fly by, oh, okay. and hear the noise of people in the market, and uh, they're marvelous. Unfortunately, my players are now spoiled, and anytime I put a non-animated map on, they grumble. Yeah, every time I see, I mean, hey guys, listen, if you're not following Lou Anders on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, and you just want to look at his table and be jealous, uh, I, every time I see images of his gaming table, I'm extremely jealous of the wonderful setup that he has, so check it out for sure. Uh, Lou, I, I love that idea that you're bringing up about, like, the the elves and the fairy creature that changing um and i i think it's it's so feywild to me because there's this i i would have this idea that the creatures that live there are so tied into the land so tied into nature itself and it made me even think of like well what if like you literally had the 
with the change of the seasons, you had that be how certain creatures that live in the Feywild change. And there's this idea of like rebirth and these certain creatures, they die every winter and they're reborn every spring. And that's like their cycle of life. Of course, they can die from battle or whatever, but naturally they will die every single change of the year during the seasons. And yeah, that that changes up when you visit the Feywild every single time. There's going to be creatures at different points. And I, I think, too, that it it the, the overarching thing is, is that they don't operate like we operate. Hmm. So you can even be friends with something that nonetheless is going to operate to its own set of rules that that may make that friendship dangerous to you. You know, I, I, again, cribbing from Justina Robson, she has uh, Selkies or Nixies. I can't remember which they are. And they try and drown one of the char- main characters in a swimming pool. Hmm. And they're completely unapologetic about it. They're just like, that's what we do. We're Nixies. Don't get in the swimming pool with us <laughs> if you don't want to be drowned. And that doesn't mean that they're not fun to hang out with in a bar later. Just don't go swimming with them because then their instincts take over. And even if you're their best friend, they may decide that it's just wonderful to drown their best friend because... You know, they wouldn't drown people if they didn't think it was fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, both uh, Mark Chadbourne, who everyone should read, and uh, his uh, Age of Misrule series is all about the reemergence of the of the Celtic Tuatha del Danan and Fomori into modern England. And, uh, well, modern England 20 years ago. And uh, Terry Pratchett, they both had the idea that the Fae are very dependent on reputation. And so when they, when the, in, in both of those books, um, when, when a, a fae attempts something and fails, when the, when the characters beat them, the, the, the loss of status from their own courts affects them and they diminish and they look uglier and smaller and they have less power because it's all about appearance and reputation. And when their reputation is tarnished, they're physically reflective of that, of that loss of status. So one of the things that really strikes me as um, a danger of the Feywilds, um, Lou, you kind of just hit it on on the head that there is that there is this danger, like you said, of getting drowned by certain creatures. That it's it's nothing personal, right? Uh, but this idea of if you want to survive the Feywild, which I think whenever I think of like a D and D adventure into the Feywild. I feel like usually the trope is like that it's a mistake. You wander in by mistake. And so, but there's this danger of if you don't know the creatures in the land, you are subject to a lot of trouble because there are those, these creatures might be nice one minute and then whether it's personal or not, they might be drowning you the next minute. I think there is an etiquette too. It's the... I think that uh, when you're dealing with the with the with the humanoid fairy, it's very much um, uh, they're always jockeying for advantage. They're always looking for a way mm. to get a hold on you, to get an obligation out of you, to get you indebted to them, to get a piece of you, maybe a literal piece of you. And so, even though you can get along with something there and think that it's very nice and and you'd love to hang out, you have to be very careful how you act and what you say, so that you don't accidentally give insult or accidentally promise something you can't deliver on or find yourself indebted in some way. You know, there's the whole thing that you don't eat any food that's offered yeah. unless it's offered free of obligation. That if uh, if you just accept food and eat it without asking first, you know, what's the catch? There's <laughs> going to be a catch. Yeah. Usually it's some form of servitude. So this, this fey courtier might be a good friend, but, you know, friends are nice, slaves are better. Um, so. Don't accept things in the Feywild at face value. Do you want this cupcake? It's a great looking cupcake. It'll only cost you 300 years of servitude. <laughs> um, but it's a delicious cupcake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think that, well, like you said, that go, that kind of goes back to the idea that it's this echo. 
of the mm. prime material plane and just like culturally things function in a different way from a geography perspective because the idea of how in your world does the Feywild cross over back and forth between the material plane because you know, Lou going back to the idea that you mean know, like advancements in our world bring for bring forward the Feywild and things like that so that echo um also yeah <laughs> Be careful. Be very careful. Because the other thing is, um, you know, one of the biggest established races in the Feywild is the Eladrin. And you know, they have very strict noble hierarchy because they're basically the ones that stuck around when the elves left the Feywild um, in terms of Forgotten Realms lore. You know, that bring, brings up, too, the fact that um, in historical mythology, there really isn't a difference between fairy and elves. Hmm. You know, the Fae are from Celtic mythology and the Alfin from Norse mythology were Norse Fae. And in, in fact, um, they're, they're finding that there's more, um, even more genetic connection between, between the British Isles and Norway than they had first supposed. And so it's not even like parallel evolution of two concepts. It's that the Fae came from the Norse Alfin. And when Tolkien took elves and made elves a race of people that ate and slept and defecated and all that stuff, he removed them from the idea of their being fae. And so all the game systems that use elves as player characters have to explain why they are now two different things. Because they weren't. They weren't. It would be interesting to have a game where the elves were the fae and you couldn't play mm -hmm. an elf, but, uh, which is sort of what we do in my, my Midgard games. But they aren't. They were. They were just one people. Yeah, I love this idea. I, I gotta keep coming back to this emotion thing. Uh, one of the things that I was looking up when I was doing some research into the Feywild is this idea that, like, your emotion. If you're a traveler to the Feywild, your emotions are going to potentially be your downfall, and might even make you end up completely staying in the Feywild for good. There's there's creatures from the Feywild that uh, our listeners might find familiar. So there's there's red caps uh, and the red caps are spawned uh, when a person dies in the Feywild and the blood that seeps out, it creates these red caps, which red caps are just blood filthy creatures. They literally need to feast on fresh blood or they die. Then you've got boggles, which are mischievous creatures that are spawned when a person, when a person is overcome by loneliness or abandonment. So I like I'm already imagining like certain areas of the Feywild that, like a forest that's just its purpose is to lead you astray, to break up the party, because there's boggles in this forest that they want more boggles. And this is how uh, new boggles is made is by splitting up adventuring parties who have wandered into the Feywild and entered into the lonely woods. And if you if you can get if they can get you alone for long enough that you are going to become a boggle yourself. And there's Memlocks, uh, a deformed Fey that are spawned by someone uh, who is overwhelmed by fear. Uh, so you have all these creatures that – and you can – I'm sure there's others, but you could come up with creatures yourselves for your homebrew Feywild of what happens when a creature is overcome by joy, by hate, by greed, by jealousy. What happens to them? I could also see the emotion you bring with it coloring the landscape. Mm. So it may the, the place may appear different to you depending on mood. Maybe two characters see two completely different landscapes. One's yeah. rocky and barren, and one's beautiful and overgrown because they have two different moods coming in. And and you remember in uh, Legend of Korra, where Korra goes into uh, the spirit realm, her mood affects whether the spirits there are aggressive or friendly. Or how does how do other creatures react when you're not giving off the same emotion that they that they're comprised of. Uh, this this may be a deep cut, but in the Phantom Toll Booth, which is a wonderful, <laughs> I and uh, the movie, uh, I always like. I'm thinking now of like the doldrums, and you have these creatures who want you to just give up and like, hey, it's not worth it. Just 
relax, take a nap, and the swamp's going to overtake you if you give in. And there, they, there's this change where they're like, oh, come on, relax, just take a break. And as uh, Milo is sinking into the swamp, you see their faces turn sinister and they're like, yes, we've got him. And I imagine that the creatures in the Feywild are going to want you to play along and be part of the emotion that they are centered on. And, you know, that ties in with what you said about becoming a boggle, because um, in some versions of Celtic mythology, the Fey are the spirits of the dead. And and that's something that doesn't get done. Not a lot gets done with that now, but the fact yeah. that it's, it's, it's a version of an afterlife you could find yourself in. Yeah. So many terrifying things in the Feywild. Because <laughs> a couple, of, I mean, I mean, because we're kind of in that realm of just like what you need to watch out for yeah. in the Feywild. A couple of other fun ones, you know, Lou, you could, had kind of spoke to it earlier about you know descending down and time travel being a potential. But you know, even rules wise, time warp has the possibility of happening, and that could be why you know you step through in that echo. You know, there was a town, but now there's not. But then the problem is because that area of the Feywild is now, let's say, you know, 200 years either past or future. And so if you step out of the Feywild in that point, do you experience a time warp? And now you're in a different place. Very much. There's always that. We went bowling yeah. with some sky dwarves and we came back and 100 years has passed. Yeah. Yeah. Or, but is that your intention too? So, you know, you, you know and there, there are also ways to not shy away from that because maybe that's exactly what your players need. Or, you know, advancing it five years, you know, and the, the difference in the world and letting that you know, further your story. Um, also, apparently, memory loss is a problem, which is hilarious. Uh, is that time like a constant, like, or I don't imagine it to be constant. I imagine also like, you could be there for a hundred years and kind of the Narnia thing happens and you step out of the Feywilds and only five seconds have passed. And whether you revert to like the same age or not, like that's a whole nother question, but yeah. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a plug another Cobalt Press product. Have y'all seen Courts of the Shadow Fey? Mm, yes. Yes. Oh, it's gorgeous. So you, have you, have you looked through it? I, I know of it. I like the actual book itself. You mean? Yeah. yeah like I haven't art? Through No. It. Oh my gosh! Well, it's the shadow realm, which is the dark side. It's not the it's not the bright side, but it's um in the in the book when you're in the Fey courts there, the shadow Fey, you can trade um, memories for things. Like here, we'll give you this magic potion, but you mm. have to give us your memory of your first kiss, oh, and um, oh, yes. you can also trade ability scores. So, like, someone may come up to you and go, oh, boy, you're a big strapping young warrior. I've always wanted to be strong. I'll give you a, some of my wisdom for some of your strength. And if you agree, you lose a point of strength and gain a point of wisdom. Wow. And uh, they can, you know, because they, they're not interested in money. They're interested in obligations, memories, and abilities. And you can, and you can literally trade that stuff like currency. I love yeah. that. Well, I don't have dark vision. But I do have this, and then, <laughs> like swap it out. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah and what, like what physical change happens when you make those deals? Yeah, like fey fey creatures. The idea of like making deals for things that normal, like bartering and a a market system that's so completely strange and different from the material plane. Lot of options open up. Uh, re- throw throw the normal rules to the side when you're entering to the Fey. Well, you also have all those wonderful old stories about trooping fairies and fairy markets. You know, seeing the procession of fairies go by, which is to pull it back in the first time in the in the Lord of the Rings when they see elves leaving and Sam has never seen an elf before, and the elves go by and they glow. Mm. All the elves are glowing. And, you know, I, I think Tolkien kind of changes things as he's, as he's writing. He's discovering for himself. So those were very much trooping fairies. And then later, uh, the elves are more, more human-like. They're more, you know, we meet Legolas and we meet Elrond, and they're much more like people. But those, that, that first glimpse of the elves, those are trooping fairies, you know, wandering through the world. And when they go, I, I'm rereading Lord of the Rings with my daughter right now. We just left Lothlorien. And when they come out, they notice the stars are different from when they went in. 
and uh, and it literally is outside of time, and it's uh, and that 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 moves on to another fun thing, which is there are places on the world where the skin between our world and their world is thin, so sometimes you don't have to go into the Feywild. You can just go to a a particularly remote area of the woods or a mountaintop or something and find that it's bled over and everything is mm. behaving as if it is in the Feywild. I've got a book that's uh, going through the hopefully not too painful editing process right now at Penguin Random House and it's um, it's set on a place I call the Glistening Isles, which is my version of Avalon. And mm. it's, uh, it's a series of islands off the coast of my Celtic world where the Fey took over. And they now rule there as a, as a as an annexed kingdom. So um, you know it, it uh, for for according to the rules of my universe, they can't just come and go whenever they like. There are doorways between here and and what I call elsewhere the Feywild, and little doors are common doors in mushrooms, doors in trees, doors yep. in rocks. So tiny Fey can come through back and forth all the time and mess with people, but the really big Fey need big doors and they can only come through when the moon is in a certain position or certain times of year or at the summer solstice in the winter you know at the equinox they 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 can't they can't come and go as they like but they hate that so uh some time ago they took over this these islands and drove all the people out and they have that as their beachhead and they would love to extend that to have more of a territorial claim on the rest of the world but they can't get it right now I love that. I love that there's awesome. a place in your world that literally anybody could travel to the Feywild because the Feywild is kind of bled over and there's an area that it's like, yeah, well, this is, yeah, this is both the material plane, but it is also the Feywild. All right. I think any anything we want to throw in last minute uh, Feywild stuff before we go to the homework section. Do y'all mind that I keep plugging Midgard? Go for it, man. Nope. Yeah. Well, I want to, you know, one of the things that drives me crazy about Cobalt Press is they come up with ideas that are so cool that I'm then mad I didn't come up with them first. <laughs> and uh, so I'm glad I had my Elsewither down before they did this. But I've, I've been looking into their, uh, the Courts of the Shadow Fae and also the, the Tales of the Old Margrieve. And the way it works is you have the Margrieve Forest and the Arbonesse. And... For them, the Margrieve is the place on their world where the skin is the thinnest between there and the realm of shadow. And so there's a shadow Margrieve, which is a a dark mirror opposite of their forest. And that's where the shadow fey are. And then north of there, you have the Arbanes, which is where the last kingdom of elves, the last real kingdom of elves, because the elves have all left for the Summerlands. But the, the queen of the Arbanes is an elf who is currently in a magical Cinderella coma, and no one knows why. And that kingdom is where, if there are elves in Midgard, that's where they're from. And so you have light elves and dark elves, essentially, and they both have forests, and the one forest is very connected to the Summerlands, and the other forest is very connected to the Shadow Realm. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. And and they solve the elf versus fairy thing, and the, the Shadow Fae are elves who migrated into the plane of shadow and were changed by it. So they originally came from wherever elves come from. They didn't originally come from Fae. I think in in my world, I've, I'm I'm looking at having Fae and elves be two offshoots of a progenitor race. Hmm. And uh, when the when the world split between their world and our world, those who chose. The left hand became Fey, and those who chose the right hmm. became elves. Yeah, you. I mean, it's been we've said it already, but it it we couldn't say it enough. Kabul Press has done a phenomenal job. Yeah, filling in that Fey gap. I want to like when the Monster Manual came out. I think one of the things that it didn't have enough of was Fey, and then Tomb of Beasts came out from Kabul Press. And was just chock full of Fae. So if you're wanting to really delve into the Fae Wilds in your own world, like all the things we mentioned are great things to think about. And also Kabul Press, there's some great things for you to check out that are going to be able to give you lots of inspiration and creatures and subclasses that are based off of players that have decided they're going to throw Lou Anders a curveball. They're going to help you uh, <laughs> in the creation of your home your homebrew Feywild. And I, I think the important thing with, 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 with the Fey 
is, is like my final thoughts on them are, is that um, Dungeon Masters can really challenge their players with them because if you're used to just killing things, that may not be the, that may not work. It may be that navigating the courtly politics of some queen's fairy castle, or even making your way through a dinner party without actually giving away your soul or being transformed into a frog, are more difficult than just taking out your sword and hacking something. Yeah, you know, it's all about missteps and and, and watch what you say. <laughs> you know? Or even like, oh, wow, you're a really, really uh, amusing little human. We, we, we like you so much, we're going to put you in a cage and hang you on the wall <laughs> to amuse us whenever we're bored. Yep. Uh, beware bards. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I think that's perfect. So the, I, we've already started it, and there's definitely a lot you can pull out, but are there any other pieces of like extra material, be it books, movies, shows, podcasts, that we want to shout out as some additional homework for our listeners? Uh, I'm going to throw out two video games, two of my favorite video games. Uh, so the first is actually a like downloadable content for Oblivion, the Elder Scrolls. You had the expansion of the Shivering Isles, uh, and that was a, a place that was run by the Daedric Prince Sheogorath. And there are so many places on... If my memory serves correctly, the island, the isles are split into four different segments, which are ruled by, once again, emotion, uh, seasons. It's very fey inspired. And the Daedric Prince Sheogorath is great inspiration for either a fey lord, um, a fey lady, or a, a god of the fey wild, because he's kind of what we've talked about. He's chaotic. Uh, he's ruled by emotions. He has a number of faces based off of what emotions that he's uh, feeling at the time. He's a very trickster, strange god. The second homework that I would give is um, also a video game, God of War. Uh, you travel um, to Alfheim with the dark and the light elves. And first of all, I'll, I'll sing God of War's praises till the day I die. It's my favorite video game of all time. Until the second uh, or the fifth, I should say, one comes out. Uh, and it is like it is a great look at everything we've talked about. Nature and civilization mixed together uh, in a world of Fae with strange creatures. Light uh, is a huge aspect of it. It's a great both of those games, I would say, are wonderful inspiration for creating the Fae Wilds. There is a podcast called the Celtic Myth Pod Show. Mm. And it's uh, a couple and uh, some other people in Britain who dramatize, to dramatize Celtic stories. And it's absolutely um, just invaluable in explaining Celtic myth and concepts of the fairy. I could never wrap my head around it until I started listening to their podcast. And it's great for ideas. It's great for ideas. And, uh, and then I'm going to plug Wrath of the River King, an earlier cobalt thing that takes you from 5th to 7th level and is all about the Summerlands. <laughs> So I feel like my mine's going to sound like quite the cop-out, the first one. Um, <laughs> if you just go to the Dungeon Masters Guild and you type the Feywild, there's a product called the Feywild. And so you should just go get that because uh, it's a gold bestseller and there's a lot of really great reviews for it. Um, so it's a lot of the lore and history of the Feywild. And because it's on the DMs Guild, I mean, everything that they have produced is available for content because you're still, you know, you're playing in their sandbox so you can use the sand that they've already made. So definitely go check that out. The second one I have is called Oblivion Song. It's a comic book by Robert Kirkman, who also did The Walking Dead, where the main concept is that there's this device and, you know, basically this is a plot you could put into your world there's this device that goes off and brings basically like a huge portion of another world into our world and that portion of our world goes into that world hmm. um, and so then the flora the fauna and everything and the fallout from that happening and then also there the main character basically goes back through trying to bring people that have been lost there and figure out what's happened so yeah oblivion song that's it. That's all I've got. <laughs> Perfect. We've got a whole bunch more 
for you, the listeners, to check out. Lou, thank you so much for coming again onto our show. Uh, thank you for uh, giving us all this great inspiration. Uh, we had a fantastic talk about the Feywild. If our listeners would like to get in touch with you, follow what you're doing, where are the best places for them to go for all of that? LouAndrews.com, uh, at LouAndrews on Twitter, Thrones and Bones Facebook page, and uh, that's it. Wonderful. So continue to check out the wonderful works of Lou Anders. Uh, Lou, thanks again for joining us. It's been great. We just want to thank Lou again for coming back on and for all of the awesome ideas that he shared and definitely check out all of the other stuff that he mentioned that he's doing. It is so, so good. If you want to get in touch with us and tell us about how you're introducing the Feywild into your own world, you can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And of course, if you liked this episode or any of the others and see fit, head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review, which we'll read on air. And if you want to get updates about the show, two great places to go for that are you can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. And you can like our Facebook page. We have a Patreon member shout-out of the week, and this week's Patreon member shout-out goes to... DM Jazzy Hands! Yes. And you better believe that we made Jazz Hands the entire time that happened. In fact, Neil is doing it right now. I got it. I screenshotted it. I got it. Uh, oh. <laughs> with such a good picture uh thank you so much dm jazzy hands yes, for you. supporting the show we re- and of course all of the block party shows when you were doing that uh, we really really appreciate it as always the dungeon masters block is a proud member of the block party podcast network where you can check out other shows like geek wars we're so bad at adventuring and dungeons and dragons and daughters and more well that's all we have for this episode of dungeon masters Well, that's all we have for this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night and good luck. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch reminding you all to keep on Dungeon Mastering. It's not inspiration, it's not wisdom, and it's bad advice. Also, if you have a new group, pick one player to kill to establish dominance.